Hey everybody, you're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. If you don't know me, my name is Rachel. My husband, Matt, and I pastor here at Legacy Kitchener and Legacy Hamilton. He is there today. I give that speech every Sunday that I'm here, if you haven't noticed, just because I want you to know that I'm not some crazy kid up here doing this by myself. We have two children. They are soon to be eight and nine years old, Charlie and London. And um, we love the church, the capital C church. If we weren't pastors, we would be super church members because we love God's church. And um, that's why we're here. We're here. We believe that the local church is not irrelevant. We believe that the local church actually is the hands and feet of Jesus to bring hope to the communities and the cities that we exist in. And uh, that's what Legacy Church is about. Today, we're in a series called Legacy Faith. And today, I'm going to be talking about lazy faith. (laughs) I know, they're laughing in the front here because we all know that we have a lazy part in us, right? The part of us on Sunday that is just gung-ho and ready to go, yes, God, whatever you want. And then the other part of us that is completely content to do absolutely nothing but sit at home and watch Netflix, okay? Those two things can be true at the same time, okay? We all have that part of us that says amen on Sunday, and then on Monday refuses to actually live out and walk out and believe what God said to us yesterday. Am I right? It's not just me, okay? It's not just me. You know, sometimes by Monday, we just don't feel like doing what needs to be done to see a breakthrough that we felt when the band was up here and the lights were down and the worship was going. There's a part of us, if you heard my message from a few weeks ago, that settles for a snack instead of God's best meal for our lives. Because part of us, I don't think, actually believes that if we tried, we would see anything different in our lives. Now, Thankfully, we're not alone. Jesus also had friends who walked with the Son of God who said, Jesus, we would die for you. We would do anything for you. And literally moments later, we find ourselves here in Luke 22, verses 39 through 46. And in Jesus' time of need, he calls his closest friends to be present with him in the brutal final hours of his life. And this is what happens. It says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter temptation. That's an interesting statement to say. Pray that you may not enter temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away. So Jesus can see them. They're a stone's throw away. These are the guys that are like, Jesus, we're going down with you no matter what. And he needs them, 
And he's over here and he's praying, Father, if you're willing to remove this cup from me, like Stephanie said, like he, he crawled to that cross. He willingly chose to do this, but he still says to God, God, if, if there's any other way, can you use it? So it says he knelt down, he prayed, and, uh, but he said, not my will, yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. So a stone's throw away are his disciples. And an angel literally arrives and starts strengthening him. Who knows what that looks like? Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them what? Sleeping. There's a lazy part. However, it says they were sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter temptation. Now, I don't want you to feel like I'm about to give you a beat down about being lazy. Okay? Because that is not at all my intention. When I talk about lazy faith, I don't think on a regular basis you and I decide to be lazy. Especially for Christians and we have a heart after God. I don't think we wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm just being lazy with you today. I'm just, nah. What happens is, is they were sleeping from sorrow and they became tired and lazy on the job because they were hopeless. Okay? Now, I'm just going to throw this out as uh, a little opinion. I believe that hopelessness is the root of laziness most of the time. I believe that we are lazy about our faith when deep down inside we don't actually think that God can do what he says he can do. So we never try and give it our all because somewhere deep down we're like, I don't know if it's true. I've been disappointed before. Remember that time when I put it all out on the line for that person and they betrayed me? Remember that time when I gave it all and look at what a disappointment that was. And over the course of our lives, that disappointment, that hopelessness takes root inside of us. But on the outside, what most of the time reveals itself is laziness and apathy. And just like a neither here nor there, I'm just, eh. But the root of that is something really strong. And it, it happened here where these guys were really believing that Jesus was going to turn the nation of Israel upside down. And when he started talking to them about, no, I'm actually going to die. And they're actually coming for me. And, you know, he told them he was going to raise again, but they didn't hear that. And they were just started to become so filled with sorrow that even staying awake in that moment when Jesus needed them the most, they couldn't do it. So the thing is, though, is if we don't confront our lazy faith, which means the part of us that usually lives Monday to Saturday, if we don't confront that, the problem is when we finally arrive at the promises, 
we might be sleeping. When God actually starts to do the things that you've been waiting for, you might be asleep. You might be somewhere else in the wrong place doing the wrong thing because of hopelessness and you're just kind of given up like, you know what, it, it doesn't matter anyways. But, you know, I thought about how that angel literally showed up on the scene and they were asleep for it. Can you imagine you're out with your friends and you wake up and they're like, you'll never guess what just happened. An angel from heaven came down and blah, blah, blah. And they start going on. And you were asleep the whole time. And if you would have just stayed awake, you could have seen it too. This is what happens to a lot of us. By the time we get to God's ready to show up on the scene in our hearts, we're just like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. And then we miss out. And I don't want that to happen to me. And I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want you to be asleep when God shows up in your life with a miracle that you've been waiting for because you're disappointed and you're hopeless. And like I said, I'm not here to beat you up about that. I'm here to say it's time to confront the part of you that's gung-ho on Sunday and wah-wah on Monday. Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God gives growth. So you and I are called to plant and water and plant and water and plant and water. But God is the only one who can make things grow. And you and I get lost most of the time waiting for the thing to grow, waiting to see that tree produce fruit, waiting to see that relationship start to bloom, waiting to see God show up on the scene in our sickness or in our diagnosis or in our financial state. But one thing that you never have to doubt is the seeds that you're planting and watering to bear fruit because God promises that he is the one who makes them grow. But seeds start their journey out in darkness underground, where no one can see. And so many of us get in that journey, that underground spot where no one can see and we can't see, and it's right there that we get hopeless and disappointed and feel like this doesn't work and this isn't happening. But let me tell you something. If you would let God do the watering and be patient enough, your future generations would eat off the fruit that would grow from your life. But many of us can't hang on long enough to see that happen. But not us, okay? Not us today. Not us at Legacy Church. It doesn't matter what we see on the outside. If God said it, we believe it. If he promised it, we're actually believing that it's going to happen. And, you know, I'm not talking about you pick something out of the sky that you want and say God said you're going to have it and stand on it. No, no, no. We align our desires with his. It's his word that he's faithful to fulfill. Not mine, not yours. So let's talk about this. Lazy faith. James 2.26. I didn't make this up, just in case you're wondering. 
For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Okay? So lazy faith is faith without action. Lots of people start out passionate. They start out zealous. They start out excited. But then when you check in with them a few months later, have you met those kind of people? They're like, again, super gung-ho. I'm going to start this business, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this. But months later, you see they haven't made any progress because sometimes we lack the discipline that it takes to follow through with these things. Some people don't even start. Uh, Some of us pray and beg God for vision, but when he finally gives us our next steps, we're too afraid to take them because they're not what we thought they were. But the truth is, is that the Bible says that faith apart from works or faith without deeds is dead. Now, this is where we get a little confused because we think all that pleases God is faith. So all I need to do is believe it. But in this language, in the words, there is no um, separating faith without action in the Bible and belief without actually living it. The word to believe in this context meant that your whole life reflected what you believed, not just your mouth. So if somebody says to you, well, I'm not saved by my works, I'm saved by my faith, correct, except the Bible also says that faith without works is dead. So God requires action on your part. He requires you to do something. He has a whole list, the word of God, with commands for us to live the way he wants us to live. And now, if you put this in real life, it makes a lot more sense, right? Think about it. We want to lose weight, but we won't meal plan and exercise. You can have the faith all you want to get in shape and to lose that weight. Unless you meal plan and eat healthy and exercise, it's not magically going to happen, okay? We want satisfying, intimate, healthy marriages, but we won't go to marriage counseling. When, when there's a marriage course, we don't sign up. We want to be successful financially, but we won't follow and manage a budget. In real life, faith without works doesn't work. You can have all the belief in the world. I'm going to have a healthy marriage. I'm going to have an amazing marriage. I'm going to have this. But if you never work on it, it doesn't matter how much you wish it or manifest it, as they say these days. Just manifest it. Just say it over and over and over again. But unless you put to work what you are believing for, you will never see the fruit. And it is the same thing with God. We want God to bless us more, to give us more, to promote us. But we won't steward and be faithful with what he's given us right now. Let me tell you something about God. This is a character trait. God is a God of stewardship. Okay? Stewardship means he watches what you do with what he's already given you. Gents, He watches what you do with your wife. Moms, he watches how you treat your children. People, he watches how you handle your workplace. If you don't think that God is watching you, he's always watching you. 
always watching you. Because God's a good God, and he examines our heart, and he makes sure that we're ready for what's next. So this is who he is, okay? Luke 16, 10 to 11. Again, I'm not making this up. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. If you are the person that says, you know what, I would be more generous if I had more. No, you would not. Absolutely not. If you are the person that is depressed and struggles and you think, if I only had a man, I wouldn't be depressed. (laughs) Whoever you are now is whoever you're going to be, no matter what you get, no matter what situation changes in your life. Because God laid out, this is a kingdom principle of stewardship, how you steward what you have right now is going to be how you steward everything in the future. Now, tell you what, God can make you a better steward. He can grow you in that area. He can teach you his spirit. It says, gives us the will to do what is right. But many times we get lazy because we're just waiting for the more. We're waiting for the other thing. When I finally get there, then I'll do it. When I finally have this, then I'll do it. When I find, no, you won't. Whatever you do with what he's given you now, he says, he actually says, unless you're faithful with what he's given you now, he's not giving you more. Doesn't matter how much you ask, seek, knock, beg, cry, pray, intercede, fast. He says, if you're not faithful, Now, I'm not giving you more. And that goes for all of us. All of us. We got to love the people that we're with. Love the one you're with. That's the song. Love the church that you're in. Be faithful with the church that God has placed you in. Be faithful in the job that he's given you. Be faithful in the marriage that you're in. He's not going to give you another one. You know, I think what the attitude is, and this is faith, is acting now like you've already got what he, he's promised you. If you can't act now like you've already got it. Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to talk about this because we get a little confused with striving and working for the Lord. And I know we do because we start getting in this wheel of we got to grind to make it happen, right? We got to hustle to make it happen. God's promised us something, and now, like I said two weeks ago, we feel that if we don't take it into our own hands, it's never going to happen. There's a difference between faith and works and faith and stepping outside of what God's asked you to do to try and make 
whatever he said happened. Okay? Now, I have a friend. Let me give you an example. It's different for everyone. I have a friend who her and her husband have been trying to have children for 10 years. Okay? They have had a few miscarriages. And God specifically told her, specifically, do not do IVF. Now, I have other friends who have done IVF and gotten pregnant from it in good conscience before the Lord, okay? Everyone is different. But I'm just talking about when God gives you specific instructions. He specifically told her, do not do IVF. I want to show up in your life in a miracle. It's been prophesied over them multiple times. So if God has told me that... But now it's one, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years. Nothing's happening. And it's at that exact moment that we go, you know what? I know God said not to do IVF, but nothing's happening. And you're so close to picking up that phone. But you can't do it. Because the minute you do it, you're striving. You're, you're doing it on your own. Some people would say, well, faith without works is dead, so believe for that baby. And then you go and work every single opportunity that you have to get that baby. Not if God said not to. If God said no, he means no. I posted on my Instagram, it takes faith to go where God asks you to go. And it also takes faith to stay where he's asked you to stay. Sometimes it's easier for us in our culture to go, yes, Lord, you want me to go? Go. We're all a bunch of gypsies, okay? I've lived in 10 houses. I've gone to 18 schools in my life, and most people I know live that way. It's very easy for us to pick up and run. God, just tell me to go, and I'll go. And he's like, no, I'm actually telling you to stay, plant, put down roots, be consistent. It's different for all of us. But I can tell you right now that if your natural tendency is to always run from the next thing to the next thing, God's likely going to ask you to stay put. And if you're terrified to move, you might be the person that God's like, I want, I want you to spread your wings somewhere else. The point is, is that whatever he's asked us to do, whatever he's given us to steward, we do it faithfully and wholeheartedly as if we are doing it for him. And you know what? I know this is hard to hear in 2023, but you might not always be passionate about the next step that he's asked you to do. You might not be excited. I've, I've heard so many people in the last season as a pastor, say, you know, I'm just losing my passion, losing my passion for the church. And I'm like, yeah, join the other billions of people on planet earth that have been a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Join the lineup of people who were being crucified and boiled for being a Christian. I'm sure they lost their passion for Jesus at that moment as well in their flesh. But you and I don't live by passion and excitement. You and I live by obedience. And obedience, let me tell you something, brings joy. 
brings joy that goes beyond what's happening in your circumstance and in your life. Friends, I am living this right now in this moment. I have every excuse and reason to be miserable and disappointed. And if you don't know my story, watch all the messages. Okay? Family falls apart. Health crisis. This, that, and the other thing. But you know what? It doesn't matter how I feel. I feel drained 99.9% of the time. But guess what? When I get before God and he speaks to me and I get in his presence and I get in his house, there's nowhere I'd rather be. I'm filled with joy. Look at my face. Do I look like someone who has cancer, who's in the hospital hours and hours and hours a week, whose entire life, my parents, my pastor just fell apart in the last year? Scandal after scandal. And you know what? I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this to show you that God actually is powerful enough to exceed your feelings and exceed your, you know, circumstances and exceed what everyone else around you would make them completely fall apart. It doesn't mean we don't have moments. But I got to kick that lazy part of me that just goes, you know what? I have an excuse. I am done. But that's not the truth. The truth is that God's looking for people with faith, not passion. Let me say that again. The word says... He's looking for men and women with faith, not passion, not excitement, not butterflies, with faith. And let me remind you, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. He's looking for people that even when they can't see it, their hope is in him that it can and it will. That's what he's looking for. So if you're sitting here today and you just feel like you've lost your passion for church, you've been burned by leaders, you've been burned by church, believe me, I am in the boat with you. Thankfully, God's not looking for people who are perfect and who are fake happy and just, I'm so excited to praise the Lord. He's looking for people that are in the middle of a hell that can go, you know what? I still trust you. I still believe that your word is true. I still believe that all the things that you started, you're going to finish. Doesn't that relieve you? It should relieve you. I want to explain what active faith looks like, and I'm rounding us down here, but there's this amazing story in Luke 5. It says, And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, 
they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want to say this. The Bible doesn't say that the paralyzed man had faith. It says that when Jesus saw the faith of his friends, he healed him. It was his friends acting on their faith, using their physical muscles. I want you to picture this situation. Carrying a dead weight, paralyzed human being on a mat, however the distance is, they get this idea, if we just bring him to Jesus, he could be healed. Active faith, faith without deeds. This is faith with deeds. They know Jesus is in town. They believe that Jesus can heal. And now what are they going to do? They're going to go get their friend and they're going to bring him to him. They're not going to sit at home and go, Jesus, I know you can heal. I know I'm hurting and I know you can heal and I'm going to skip church for the next 18 weeks, but I know you can heal me right where I am. Sure he can. But you know what Jesus responds to is active faith. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go exactly where I know he is, where his presence is. And this is the best part. They get there and they've carried this man all the way there and the house is full. There's no room for you. There's no room for you. There's no room for him. And what do they do? They act again. And they go, you know what, guys? Let's get him on this roof. Who knows if they had to run and borrow ladders and what they did to get this guy up there. If they had to call friends and be like, can you guys help us get this guy up here? We would look at that and be like, yeah, wow, they were really striving for that miracle. No. That was called faith and works. There's a difference between striving for yourself and striving for the kingdom. Striving to get what you want to get rich, to get successful. And these guys were striving so that their friend could be healed. Let me tell you something. God loves people. He loves his church and he loves his kingdom. And if you would strive for that, those three things, you would start to see miracles take place in your life. But we're busy striving for our own bank accounts and our own lives and our own this and our own that. And listen, I'm not saying... You can't live a life. But many of us don't give one ounce of effort to the kingdom that we give to ourselves and our passions and our whatever. These guys, they don't demonstrate that. They literally get this guy on the roof and then they start ripping the tiles off the roof. That is daunting. And the reason why I'm explaining this to you is because I want you to see that maybe the task in front of you is daunting and you don't feel like doing it. And it seems like, wow, that's just going to be a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work. I'm going to have to rearrange and reprioritize a lot of things. And it just seems like too much. Active faith saw every obstacle as an opportunity to break through. And these guys, 
the obstacle of carrying him. They finally get there. Then there's another obstacle that the house is crowded and there's no room for them. That's another obstacle. Then they climb up on the roof. Well, guess what? The roof has tiles on it. So now they have to start ripping and ripping and ripping and ripping. And then they lower him down in front of Jesus. I don't know how they did it. Were they, was Jesus preaching like I am and there was a crowd of people trying to build like a pulley system at the back of the auditorium to try and lower him down? Who knows what kind of ruckus they caused. But lazy faith would have left their friend at home. Nah, it's too heavy. Lazy faith would have arrived on the scene and been like, we came all this way carrying this dead weight and now the house is full. <laughs> Lazy faith wouldn't dare rip the roof off. Because ripping off someone's roof demands boldness and courage and sacrifice and a whole lot of like looking crazy. Because lazy faith is not bold and it's not sacrificial, that's for sure. It's protecting itself at all costs. And it doesn't even consider sacrificing personally for healing that somebody else needs. This is why it's so important that we confront this. Because not only does lazy faith keep you out, but there's people around you who are counting on your faith. They are counting on you to be that friend that goes along and says, you know what? You've counted yourself out of a miracle. And there's people waiting for us to be willing to carry them when they can't carry themselves. But if we're literally not willing to do these things for our own freedom, do you think we're going to be willing to do it for anybody else? These guys were willing to sacrifice everything for their friend, which Jesus says is what love is. But many of us, we view obstacles, hear me, as a sign that something's wrong. It shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this difficult. There's too many obstacles for it to be God. Let me tell you something. When it's really easy and costs you nothing, it's not the gospel. When you can just coast through and never be challenged and never give sacrificially and never do something that makes you uncomfortable, it's not the gospel. You've signed up for the wrong team. If you want to live a life of comfortability and of looking out for number one and of, you know, running the rat race and being successful and getting everything you ever wanted and having as little obstacles as possible, you know, I just want ease in my life. I just want everything to be easy. You signed up for the wrong religion. You really did. Because the Bible that I'm reading doesn't stop until they see what God said he was going to do. And I want to tell you that 
some of the obstacles that you are facing is actually a sign that God is working in your life. You got to flip the script around. This is too hard. This costs too much. It's definitely not God. No, it's the other way around. This is too easy. This makes me feel really good. This costs me nothing. I remember having a conversation with somebody that had left our church, and um, we had had them over for dinner like a few months later just to see how they were doing, and we weren't pastors at the time. We just wanted to see how they were doing and hang out, and they're like, you got to hear about this great church. We joined this church, and seriously, there's no serving. There's no teams. They don't even allow volunteers. You just show up, and you sit down, and you're there for one hour. And then you can get up, and you can leave. And they're like, it's insane. Nobody talks about needing to give. Nobody talks about volunteering. It is the greatest church I have ever seen. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, oh. amazing. Guess where that church is today? It doesn't exist. Because that's not God's way. And if you want a church like that, I could have referred you to one, actually. But I, they don't exist anymore. So maybe you could find another one. There's, I'm sure there's more out there. Jesus says... That it's our faith that pleases God. The Bible says over and over and over again, without faith it's impossible to please God. Which means without faith and action, it's impossible to please God. And I want us, and Dave's going to come up, I want you to know that when you align your will and your desires, and your prayers, and the things that you're believing for, and the why. With his why, that's where the so-called magic happens. And it's not magic, but that's where nothing is impossible. So we've done all this talk about active faith. The truth is sometimes we just don't feel like it. And we're discouraged because we haven't seen results. And we're frustrated with God's timing. And we're frustrated with God's people. And we're frustrated because we feel like people are rushing us. And we feel doubtful and we feel unproductive when we've put our faith into our efforts. But we're waiting to see the effects of it. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to envision a picture of the life that God has promised you. Now, maybe some of you are in this place and you're like, God's never promised me anything. Well, that's not true. God has promised you an abundant life. A life beyond what you could ever ask, think, or imagine when you follow him. I want you to think of this life. But I want you to know that
your faith has to rule your feelings. And the principles in God's word can give you the life that he's promised you. But the word doesn't consult your feelings before it gives you instructions. And I want you to think now of the instructions that God's word has given you. I want you to see where you are right now. What God has given you right now and remind yourself of your why. Am I stewarding what he's given me? Am I hopeless? Do I feel like I've been so burned and so disappointed that I just don't trust that there's any other outcome? If that's you, this is your moment. For the Spirit to remind you that God never disappoints. He never lets us down. But we need to surrender our timing and our ideas and you might not see the results of your workout today but you go back to the gym tomorrow. You may have given money and time and energy and resources and faith and you've yet to see any fruit from it. But decide today to keep being generous. Keep giving, keep serving, keep sowing, keep loving. Remember, you plant and water, but God makes these things grow. And don't give up because you don't see the whole picture yet. I want to end with this story. Every year, it just passed less than a month ago, every year we watch the Super Bowl. Now, my husband's American. God and then football. Okay, that's the way it goes there. <laughs> and the Super Bowl is a game that is a result of hundreds of hours of practice and drills and simulations and games and blood and sweat and tears and injuries. Watching hundreds of hours of footage strategizing, studying playbooks. Think of all that leads up to this big Super Bowl game. Imagine if when the two teams arrived on the field for the game and they're all slapping each other's butts and huddling and screaming and cheering and let's go. And they're in the huddle and they're hyping each other up and they're, you know, yelling victory chants but there's never a kickoff. And they all just stand around. And like 10 minutes goes by and everyone's like, uh, is this game ever gonna get started? I, I don't know how long it would take, but I can guarantee that it would hit a point where the audience and the crowd would literally start booing and being like, play the game, run the plays. This is what the church looks like. Bunch of people getting together on Sunday, hyping each other up. Yeah, we're going to do it. It's going to be awesome. 
and then real life comes and it's time to play the game it's time to get in the game to run the plays that you've been taught to do something about the hours and hours and hours that you've spent in church in the word in worship in prayer and god's in heaven like start the game let's go are you all just gonna stand around <laughs> wait way too many of us live like our faith only exists on sunday in this room and church services are the huddle but once we walk out those doors and into the field it's time to run the place it's time to play the game the office at school your business in the coffee shop in your home it's an active faith lifestyle that God asks us to live and it's that active faith that actually sees the goodness of God do things in your life that you never thought were possible so today I want to remind you I'm not beating you down for being lazy because I don't think anyone chooses to be lazy I think people are hopeless I think if you are you're disappointed you're maybe broken a little on the inside maybe you're offended maybe you need to go to God and say God why do I feel no motivation when it comes to serving you and building your kingdom and I promise he's gonna put his finger on some things that he wants to heal but we've got to step towards him we got to activate that faith we got to take all this stuff that we're learning week after week and we got to put it to the test and put it into practice so that in the end what I want to see is a church full of people bringing their paralyzed friends on mats it's one thing you know there's seasons and God gives us seasons to heal personally he gives us seasons but then he's like okay now take your faith and activate it for someone else start bringing your friends and showing them who I am let's pray father I thank you for this church I thank you for these beautiful people God I just come before you and I just give you and I confront any part of me that has been lazy and with that I bring you any part of me that's been disappointed that's been burned that's been hopeless that feels apathetic that feels like I've been doing this for so long and I just don't think it's gonna work God would you give us fresh perspective today would you give us eyes to see let us not be asleep while you're actually fulfilling dreams and promises and hopes and desires right in front of our eyes, God. God, I ask that wherever each one of us are at, that you would help us to see that part of us 
that's in here on Sundays, but then on Monday it feels like everything just goes out the window. God, your word promises that you will help us to do what you've called us and asked us to do. And I want to speak right now and pray for any part of us that's actually refused to bring our friends, that's refused to get out there and share the good news and reach out to others because we've been so stuck in our own struggle. God, we declare by faith today that Legacy Church will be known for its faith. That it will be known not just for people who say things, but for people who live them and see God move in such a mighty way that this city, that this surrounding area is actually transformed by your power. That many people will be healed because you see our faith. God, just go in to the wounded places, into the disappointed places today and just bring healing, bring hope, bring joy that surpasses all of our circumstances and our feelings, God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And I thank you for victory this week in our lives, that we are going to see tangible differences this week in our lives because of your word. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.